Okay. Something for you to do to start with. Penny's getting in pole position. <laughs> Not quite yet, Penny, okay? Okay. Right. Um, if you were here last week, you know that we are moving from Genesis to Exodus. And uh, Simon talked to us um, about that, and he said, we're moving in our thinking about uh, from a story of individuals and then a family and God to a people and God. So in the first part of this sermon series, we have seen how God dealt with individuals such as Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Leah and Joseph. So I've got something I want you to think about. You may not have been here for all those sermons, but what have you learnt about the character of God from that? From anything that you heard over the last few months, what do you think God is like? Have a quick conversation if you want, or just think yourself And then I'll come back and see what answers we've got. Okay, lots of fanning going on. Anyone got an answer? What, what struck you about what God is like from some of those stories that we've looked at? Uh, God doesn't choose perfect people to fulfill his will. Did you hear that? God doesn't choose perfect people to fulfill his will. And that was true, wasn't it, of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, none of them was perfect. Anyone else got something that they noticed about God? Mike Patterson? God didn't just wind the world up at the creation and leave it to run on its own. God has his hand on us. Right. God has his hand on us. There's something going on. Um, there's a purpose going on. Any females going to be brave enough to say something? Because I'd like the female perspective on this. There were a lot of men in these stories. What is God like? I'm very patient, <laughs> but linked with what Mike said. He's got a plan for us, and he will stay with us until we fulfill his plan. Okay, very patient, but he has a plan for us, and he'll stay with us till we fulfilled his plan. Okay, let me see what I had on my list of what, that what struck me about what God is like. The first thing that I put down is, I think somebody, um, God is a God who reveals himself. All these stories 
were about God speaking to people. God speaking to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, uh, God speaking to Noah, um, God even speaking to Leah and um, some of the people we didn't look at in this series. God speaks, he calls, he promises, he communicates through dreams and signs and words and events. He has conversations with people. In one point in Abraham's story, he sat down and had a meal in three persons. How does that happen? He wants relationship with human beings and he wants a relationship with us. So that was one of the things, I think one of the threads that has been running through this sermon series so far. And my second one was that he has a plan, which I think was what Mike was uh, saying. He starts from the beginning. There is a purpose for the whole universe. And God has a plan to redeem it and to restore it. And he is slowly unfolding that plan. And we human beings are a vital part of that plan. And the third thing that I noted down was, he cares. I think that came out in many of the stories that we've been looking at. He cares about an elderly couple who didn't have any children. He cares about a woman who feels unwanted and unlovable. He cares about a man who is continually trying to run away from him. He is a God who cares. This is our God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, who is also the God of Israel and the God of Jesus. And if you've ever thought of it, this is why the writers of the Old Testament wrote this down not because they wanted to preserve the names of their great national heroes, but because they wanted to record the deeds and the doings and the sayings of God. Because seeing what he says and seeing what he does is how we know what God is like. And I hope you found that in your life as well. Hearing what God says and seeing what he does is how we know what God is like. Um, Throughout the pages of this book, we have a progressive revelation of God, which means God keeps showing us more of himself throughout time and throughout the Bible. And the ultimate revelation, the Bible says, is in the person of Jesus. And could we have that quote, please? Thank you. I'm going to have to turn around to read it. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being 
sustaining all things by his powerful word. So Jesus is God's final word to us. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. And so we come back to the story of Moses. And if you weren't here last week, um, this is the story so far. Um, The situation. The Jews are in Egypt, in exile. They have grown from one family to a large number, which Simon talked about last week. But they still retain their identity. They are becoming a nuisance to the Egyptians and they are being persecuted. And then for Moses, we meet him in chapter 3 of Exodus at that low spot in his life. He's been um, had some amazing things happen to him already. He's been rescued from death as a child. He's been brought up in Pharaoh's palace. But then everything went wrong. He kills someone. He has to flee. And when we meet him, he's living in exile and poverty. And it's his low point. And then God meets with him in the desert through a burning bush. And we looked at that last week. And God reveals to Moses some of the longings of his heart. And if, you, if you've got a Bible, and you might like to go and get a Bible, um, this is chapter 3, uh, verses 7 and 8, but it's on the screen as well. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God reveals the longings of his heart to Moses. Moses doesn't really have a great burden for his people. This is God's heart's desire. And he wants Moses to be his instrument, his change maker, the one who makes this happen. And from these verses, we know more about God We know he is a God who listens to those in distress. We know he's a God who longs to set people free. We know he's a God who hates cruelty and injustice. And we know he's a God who comes down to rescue. But he chooses to change things through us. Not that he couldn't do this stuff himself, but he chooses to do it through us. And so in verse 10, he says to Moses, Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And what do you think Moses' response is going to be to that? What would your response be? Would he say, this is God, so I better say yes? Would he say, Now I can prove myself and make up for my own mistakes. 
Would he say, now I can get out of this desert and back into a palace where I should be? Let's see what he says. Penny's going to come and read the next passage to us. Exodus 4, 1 to 17. The Bibles are there, but it will be on the screen as well. So if you want to look in the Bible, it's on page 60. As Liz said, it's Exodus chapter 4, beginning at the first verse. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, it became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Penny. Okay, I think you get the idea that Moses really did not want to do this, did he? He made a whole series of objections and excuses. In fact, we started looking at them last week, um, and uh, uh, Simon mentioned two of them. So let's have the, the first two. These were the first two uh, questions he had for God. Why me, Lord? And the answer God gave him in verse 12 was, I am with you. 
I am with you. I will be with you. That's a strange answer, isn't it? Because it doesn't actually answer the question. Um, But God knew why Moses was asking. Um, He says, I will be with you, Moses. Don't worry. And the second question that he asked God was, who are you, Lord? What is your name? And again, God recognizes what is behind that question for Moses. Moses is worried about how the people of Israel will receive him if he goes back to them. And so God gives him a name to call him by, which is something about giving him perhaps some authority as well. And he also gives him a plan to deal with any hostility that might come his way. But then in the passage that Penny's just read, it becomes clearer that Moses is not just worried about the technicalities. What he's really doing is trying to get out of it. The what-ifs start. What if they don't believe me, he says in chapter 1, in the first verse of chapter 4. What if they don't believe me? And this shows Moses' lack of self-confidence. And I think it also shows the hurts he carries from his rejection uh, uh, by, by his people in the past, his failures in the past. And all of us may be carrying that sort of baggage. I probably shouldn't uh, mention the football because I thought Tom would do enough of that. Um, But I am wearing the nearest I've got to an England shirt today. And um, I think one of the things um, about this England team and about which is making us, you know, really encouraged at the moment is they don't seem to have the baggage that we have. Those of us who are really old, like me, who actually can remember the 66 World Cup final, um, and what, you know, the 40, 52 years of hurt since then. All those raised expectations and all those failures. All those raised expectations and all those failures. All those penalty shootouts and all those failures. All of that drags you down, actually. And if you've got all of that in your life, it can drag you down. And it can. And when God says, do this, you can go, oh, I can't do that because it didn't work last time. But God starts to deal with that. He gives him three very practical signs that he can use. He's literally got something up his sleeve if there's a problem. The staff that turns into a snake. The spotty hand and the healing. The water that turns into blood. He's saying, he's not just giving him conjuring tricks, he's saying, if people say, who is this God? You have got these powers, these signs, these wonders that you can show them. And they will know that I am the Lord Almighty. However, he comes back, does Moses, and he says, 
but I am not a good speaker. Now, it is possible that Moses had some sort of speech impediment. He certainly doesn't think he's an eloquent speaker. And what does God say? Who made your mouth? I sort of know that, says God. I do know that about you, and yet I still chose you. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And then finally, in verse 13, we come to the the hub of it, really. Moses says, Lord, please send someone else. This isn't really about those things. It's not about speaking. It's not about having things to show people. It is about his total lack of confidence, which is based on fear. And at this point, God is getting a little bit exasperated. But the good thing is that he doesn't give up on Moses. He realizes that Moses may need someone to help him, that maybe this is a two-man job. And it's interesting that that passage says that um, God says that Aaron is already on his way. So perhaps he was already part of God's provision for Moses. Okay, what can we learn from this story of Moses? Two things, I think. The first thing is that God shares his dreams with us. God shares his dreams with us. He calls us, he involves us, he shares the desires of his heart. Isn't that a privilege that God shares his dreams with us? Recently in this church, we had a vision time. Do you remember where we were um, drawing up um, the vision plan? And we were seeking God's heart for where we are in St. Paul's and dreaming dreams. What would we like St. Paul's to be like by the end of 2020? And I'm just wondering if perhaps God gave you something then that you dreamed, that you felt God wanted you to do, that perhaps was a part of God's dream for this place and these people. And if you can get yourself back to that, I wonder where you are now on that. Have you got a God-given dream that you have forgotten or that you've put on the back burner? Does it seem too difficult, too costly? Perhaps you want to do it, but not just now. I would encourage you to be honest with God about how you are feeling. And if he has shared his dream with you, it is for a purpose and a time. Go back and ask him about it. We have some enormously exciting stuff bubbling up. Isn't it exciting that Sophie's here um, and that God has brought her to us? We have the Point Youth Service. Um, We have the whole church plant at Deep Cut. I'm preaching at Deep Cut next week, so I went there this week. So I'm, I'm feeling excited about that. 
But I think Tom would say there is room for more. And I'm sure he would be delighted if you went to see him with even a half-formed dream that you feel God has given to you. Often, like Moses, our reluctance is based on lack of confidence. And um, my O-level Latin tells me that confidence means with faith. We are looking too much at our own abilities or lack of abilities and not at the abilities of the God who calls us. Sometimes our lack of confidence, as I said before, is linked with being let down and hurt in the past. Sometimes it's about fear. And perhaps God might want to deal with some of those blockages today because we do have prayers for healing in a minute. And the final thing I think we can learn from Moses is this. When God calls, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And you have been called. God would not put a dream in your heart if he hadn't already provided everything you need to fulfill it. Where God calls us, he always equips us. He knows exactly what we need, both practically and spiritually, and he has it ready for you. God's first answer to Moses should really have been enough. God said, I am with you, and that includes, I will give you all you need. But Moses, being human, needed more than that. He needed to know the words to say, the signs to do. He needed to have someone to work with. But God gave him all of that as well. And if you think about the New Testament, you will see the same principle. Jesus training the disciples. Jesus giving them authority. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me, therefore go. And he says, I am with you always. I will send the Holy Spirit to equip you. Wait until he comes. We often find it hard because there is a faith gap between calling and equipping. Often we need to say yes to be willing, even to start going before we know that God is with us. And before we see God enabling us. A wonderful Christian who was in a concentration camp in the Second World War, Corrie Ten Boom, said, God doesn't give you the ticket until you're about to get on the train. God doesn't give you the ticket until you're about to get on the train. So, this morning, here at St Paul's, what's stopping us? I believe God has something for each one of us. Everyone has a calling. If you don't know what it is, ask him. Let him share a bit of his dream with you. Everyone can be a change maker for God, perhaps in small ways, perhaps in big ways, in our families, in our workplace, in our community, in church. We may feel we haven't got much to offer but we have an almighty God who has promised to be with us and to give us all we need for anything he asks us to do. 
So, no excuses, really. So I wonder what's stopping us.